Hello and welcome to Barton Church Online. We are continuing our series. We're going through a series at the moment looking at Psalms, uh, Psalm 142 today. Uh, we've been asking preachers to pick a psalm and preach on it. Sort of the psalms that people find interesting or most inspiring or most passionate about. And today I'm speaking on Psalm 142 which is not a psalm I suppose I could say I was overly familiar with, but uh, over the past month or so, I've been thinking about it a bit and decided that that's what I'm going to speak on today. So Psalm 142 is written by or David, composed by David, like a lot of the psalms are. And like many of the psalms, it ref it's dated. It refers to a specific moment in his life. So this psalm, Psalm 142, is a psalm that comes after he's been anointed by Samuel as the next king of Israel, but before he's actually become king. So Samuel has anointed David to replace Saul, to be Saul's successor as king of Israel, but Saul sees David as a threat to his power. And for whatever reason, actually, persecutes and chases and uh, at various times in the narrative wants to actively kill David his successor and David at this point in the story he's just one man it's just him really and he flees because Saul is king he's just one man it's not really a fair fight so he flees and goes into hiding but it's not easy for David to hide he begins by fleeing to the nation of, of Gath a neighboring nation and everyone's talking about David when he arrives like is this this is David he's known for his success in battle he's known perhaps already as the potential successor to Saul he's known perhaps as someone that that Saul is is looking to get his hands on and David gets scared when his word gets out that he's there and everyone's talking about him and Akish who's the king of Gath at that time David is scared that maybe I don't know maybe he will hand David over to Saul to improve his relations with with the kingdom of Israel or maybe because everyone's talking about what a great warrior David is maybe Akish will see David as a threat to his own throne for whatever reason David is scared and doesn't think he's safe there in Gath so he has to flee again he pretends to be uh, insane he pretends to be mad to sort of uh, to, to get away and then he flees to uh, a cave in a place called Adullam the cave of Adullam and you can read about this story in 1 Samuel 21 into 1 Samuel 22 and while he, he he's in this cave here he is he's the next king of Israel he is anointed by God but he's having to flee for his life he's having to pretend to be insane and losing his dignity in order to 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 get away and he's hiding in a cave and it is at this point while he's there alone, not sure who he can trust, feeling very unsafe, that he composes Psalm 142. And I'm going to read Psalm 142 now. I'm reading from the NIV. So this is the psalm. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, 
Men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So that's the psalm we're looking at today. And if you know the story that I've just told, you can perhaps understand that psalm. You know the context. You can see what he means. You can see why he's saying, you know, people are out to get me. My enemies are too strong for me. It's, it's kings. It's, what, it's David versus kings. You know, Saul and Akish and others. He, his enemies are too strong. But and right now, he's a million miles away from being king himself, which is what God has promised him to be. He is anointed as the next king, yet here he is hiding, scrabbling around in the rocks, alone and, and in a, a desolate cave, in prison. That's how he describes it. Free, set me free from my prison. This is how he feels. And yet he is supposed to be the next king. I think it's important to ask that question, well, why did God choose David as a sort of man he thought should be king. What is it about David that made God look at him and say, that's the man I want, that's the guy I want to follow Saul. And that, you know, it's not just that he, you know, David, oh, he's suitable, he's got some of the qualities as king. David is God's number one candidate for the role. And what is it that makes him God's number one choice to be king of Israel, when we when we're looking for a vacancy for a, a, perhaps a leadership position or so on, and obviously uh, when I'm writing a sermon, when I'm preaching it, there's a, a leadership um, competition going on in our own government as to who's going to be the, the next leader of the Conservative Party, who's going to be the next Prime Minister. And it's interesting to hear the the candidates sort of putting forward their views and and why they should be elected as the, the leader of the, of the country. And I think it's quite interesting to, to look at what people think is, is important in a leader. What are the things that we look for when we're choosing a leader? And I think God probably looks for something different than, than the things we look for. In fact, in 1 Samuel 16, we read the story of how God uh, chose David, or at least he sends Samuel. He says, I'm going to send you, Samuel, to anoint the next king, the person, Saul isn't doing the job and I need to choose the, the right candidate. And I'm sending you, Samuel, to, to, to anoint the next king. And he sends him to the house of Jesse and he looks at the sons that are coming through. And Samuel's impressed, particularly, you know, the first son of David, uh, son of Jesse, sorry, comes out and he's tall, he's good looking. And, and, they, and Samuel thinks this is, this is kingly material here, but but God says to Samuel, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Um, you look at the outside, you look at the externals, but I, 
I look at the heart and that's what I'm interested in. That's what God is interested in. God is always interested in the heart. He's more interested in character than the external things that you or I may be interested in when we're looking for a suitable leader or a suitable person to fill uh, a vacancy. God's choice of king has to have the right heart, have the right character, which may seem a bit strange for us because we know what happened when David became king. We know, I mean, Ronnie preached on Psalm 51 uh, a few weeks ago and explained that situation. And David, to be honest, after he became king, he made quite a few mistakes, quite a few big blunders. And if you read his story, there's, there's, you probably may be more sort of big, long, bad stories about what happens when David became king than, than the good things. But God keeps coming back to this, no, I've chosen David because of his character, because of his heart. Even when he makes mistakes, even when he gets things wrong, even when he sins, his heart is still oriented towards me. He still pursues me. This is what God values in David. This is what God values in a king. A, a heart that is right, that is chasing the right things. And so here we have David, before he's king, he has, you know, everything's gone off the rails. He's hiding in a cave. He's, he's persecuted. He's alone. He's at a very low point. And this psalm, Psalm 142, gives us insight, I think, into how a man of David's character responds to being trapped and persecuted and, and when things are going wrong. And if I want to be a man of character, if I want to be a man who, who's someone who God looks at and says, yep, yeah, James has the right heart, James has the right priorities, then it makes sense to maybe look at this psalm and think, well, how, how does someone with the right heart, so how does someone with the right priorities respond to difficulty, to struggles? So I'm going to read the psalm again. I think this is a man at his lowest point, yet uh, a man bringing his prayer to God, yet this is a man who God says, no, David has the right character for me. So what stands out to you? What is it in this psalm that makes you think, oh, okay, that's what it looks like to have the kind of character that God values in a, a difficult situation? So I'll just read the psalm again. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. I cry to you. O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they're too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So this is the kind of psalm, this is the kind of prayer of a man who is in dire straits, yet has the sort of heart, the sort of character that God says, yeah, that's what I like, that's what I want to see in my followers. 
So what is it? Did anything stand out to you as I read that psalm as, as okay, that's what a, a, a godly character, that's how a godly character responds to struggles. Perhaps one of the things that stood out is the clear cry of faith in there, that David has faith. You know, he's not one of these people who, who uh, walks away from his faith or gives up on his faith when life gets hard. There's plenty of faith in here. Even the very beginning, he says, look, I'm complaining. I'm bringing my complaint to you, God. But even I think, I think even complaining to God is an act of faith. Because why would you complain to God if you didn't believe that he could do something about it? Why would you bring your complaint to God if you didn't think he was capable of changing your circumstances and turning your fortunes about? I think complaining to God is an act of faith. But I, I would say it's not a good place to stay. It's not a good place to, to remain for too long. But it, 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 it's an expression of faith to pray about the situation you're in. And, and David here, what's interesting is he, he doesn't say, well, obviously, you know, I'm coming to God, but God doesn't care. God, he holds on to this belief that God cares, that God knows him. You know my way. When my spirit grows faint within me, God, you know my way. Uh, he says, I have no home. I have no refuge. You know, everyone's out to get me. My enemies are too strong for me. I, 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 am with, I have no way where to hide. But then almost immediately he says, but you, God, you are my refuge. You are my hiding place. You are my home. And I think this is one of the things that stood out to me in this psalm, this idea, God is, is my home. In fact, this links to perhaps the thing I noticed most about this psalm. I'll tell you what stood out to me, what challenged me about how someone who is a person after God's own heart responds to challenges and hardships and difficulties. It's um, verse 7 really is where it kicks in. These last, this last verse, set me free from my prison, says David. He's in a prison. This is how he feels, hiding in this cave with no friends, fearing for his life. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name that I might praise your name, that, that you, then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. And the thing that stood out to me about this is David is not saying, as you, know, you or I very naturally would say, Lord, set, get me out of this t difficult situation. Save me from this difficult situation because I'm not having any fun, because it's a horrible place to me. It's hard and I don't like it and I want to be out of here. Those things are true. Those things are true and you can see that in what David's writing. But what does he come back to? Lord, save me from this situation that I might praise your name. That I might be surrounded by good people. It's like he's saying, God, I want to praise you. My heart wants to worship. So give me a reason to praise you. Give me a reason to thank you. I want to be surrounded by the righteous, so put me in a place where that can happen. And it might sound almost like a bit like emotional blackmail. Lord, if you if you set me free, I'll praise you. You know, I'll, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But I don't think that's what David's saying. I think for David, even in his lowest moments, he's always thinking about his relationship with God. His relationship with God is always a, a priority. That God is his home. That's what he said. God, you are my refuge. And so this is the place where he always wants to keep coming back. He wants to keep coming back to God. So he's concerned about his relationship with God. God and his prayer is, you, you know, God set me free from this because it's hindering my relationship with you. 
It's making it difficult to draw close to you. It's making it difficult to draw close to you in praise. It's, it's isolating me from your people, Lord, to, from the righteous who will build me up and, and grow me in my relationship with you. This is making it difficult. And I think this is one of the reasons why David, God looks at David with such favour. Why in 1 Samuel 13, God says to Samuel, Samuel I've chosen a man after my heart to, to be king. And that's David. It's because he makes God's place in his life a priority, even in his struggles, even in the situation he's in. He says, Lord, this place is difficult, but it's not really about my comfort. It's not really about um, me getting my way. It's about my relationship with you. This is this situation is all about how does it communicate you to the world, God? How does it lead to praise? How does it lead to, to my growth? I think David comes from a position that hardships, they come and go. That's what life is like. You, you have a good day, you have a bad day. You, you face a challenge, you overcome the challenge and you, you celebrate that. Life is, is like that, up and down. But your relationship with God is a constant. Your circumstances, I think, are temporary. But God is permanent. I think this is what, what David this is the position he comes from. He will not let his temporary circumstances control how he acts. It is his permanent relationship with God that, that defines the way he acts, that is important to him. This, he's in a prison right now. He's in a prison. That's how he puts it. I'm in a prison. But I think David thinks, but this is just temporary. This is just temporary because God is his refuge. God is his permanent foundation his permanent place of rest and God will be his refuge when he's in a cave hiding for his life and God will be his refuge when he's on the throne his circumstances are not what controls him it's his relationship with God that is always his priority so if I want to be a man after God's heart if I want to be a man with the kind of character that God smiles on and says that's what I want this is what I value uh, if I want to be that type of man then I need to filter everything through the lens of my relationship with God. Not through my circumstances, but through the lens of my relationship with God. I need to think about what's happening in my life and my priority should be, what does this do to my relationship with God? Because I, th I really think that's how David viewed the world. I think that's how David lived. And I think that is the one of the character traits that God said, I value that. That is of highest value. That's more precious than gold to me to find a man a woman who values their relationship with God to the extent that that is their priority that's what they filter their whole life through and I need to 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 learn to do that to filter my life through my relationship with God like David I need to look at the struggles I'm facing and think and my prayers don't need to be shaped by well what's best for me for my you know my comfort my ease of life what what makes me happiest that's not what my prayer should reflect my prayer should reflect my my the psalms I write every day in my prayers should be concerned with God how are we getting on how are we working how does this shape my relationship with you does this this situation i'm in it may be difficult does it is it good for me does it build my character does it build my strength and my relationship with you then it's okay god because that's the most important thing to me i've been thinking recently about how shallow some of my prayers are how they are my primarily concerned with lord i don't like 
I don't like this situation. Can you do something about it? I'm not happy with this situation. Can you do something about it? And as I've said, I think that's an expression of faith. I don't, and, I, and David does that. And the Psalms are full of, of those kind of prayers. Lord, this is hard for me. Can you change it? But I think the twist that David brings to it is in the back of his mind or at the front of his mind is always this thought. But Lord, it, you know. I want to praise you. I want my relationship with you to be the most important thing in my life. And that shapes his prayers, shapes his, his life. And in my, at times in my life, I have, have tried to do that. And I'm going to share with you now something, uh, I, uh, a trick, if you like, a little uh, a life hack that, that I use to help get my head in the right place, to help make my relationship with God as a priority. This is not something... I always do, primarily because I often forget, but when I remember, it makes all the difference in the world. It's a filter that helps me uh, handle the struggles of life and, and make my relationship with God something, um, something important to me, makes it a priority. Now, this is what I do because I want to be someone like David. I want to be a man who God looks at and says, James has the right heart. James has the right character. And I know I'm not alone in that. I know that those, some of you watching now uh, at Barton and around the world, you, you have the same desire. You have the same passion. You want to be a woman. You want to be a man after God's own heart. And, and this is something I found helpful in, in developing developing those kind of habits now the thing is I'm an up and down person I've always been a bit like that you have good days you have bad days and um, I've been prone to depression and all kinds of of things um, my relationship with God it's a kind of a, a roller coaster you have periods of struggle of being in the desert of being like David and saying I'm in a prison I'm in a prison God help me out and I've had times uh, where I felt trapped where I felt persecuted where I felt alone like David does here but I've also had times where I've seen God work in incredible ways in the lives of other people in my own life I've seen people be healed I've been healed I've I've seen people set free from things I've been set free 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 from things I've heard God speak in very clear uh, incredible ways I've done stupid crazy things just because I was convinced that that's what God wanted me to do and I have seen things happen seen lives changed because of it I've known periods in my life where God has felt very far away. I've known periods in my life where God is the closest person to me. And I felt, well, I'm never going to be depressed again. I'm never going to struggle again because, you know, I can't see how this is not this this relationship with God that I've got isn't going to keep going you know and I imagine some of you identify with that kind of up down nature of of a walk with Jesus and finally I'm going to tell you the secret the thing that I've found helpful it's something I, I've struggled on I stumbled on uh, to help me when I'm struggling and at the heart of it is a belief that God is always at work right this is my conviction that God is always at work right so what that means is God is always doing something in someone's life somewhere in the world. I believe that. So right now, I may be going through a dry patch, but somewhere in the world, God is really just pouring out his blessing on, on, an, on someone. 
I'm struggling, but someone else is perhaps being healed. Somewhere else in the world, someone is being set free from something that's kept them in bondage for years. Somewhere in the world, someone is, is perhaps meeting Jesus for the first time. Somewhere in the world, God is, is doing something incredible in someone's life. And I believe that's true, even when I'm in the pits of despair. And so what I do is I remember that, and although I am struggling right now, I say, God, I thank you. I rejoice with whoever that person is, whoever that man, that woman is that, that is, that you are blessing right now. I rejoice with them and I praise you and thank you that you are working in their lives. And I do that and it reminds me of something absolutely critical to me. It just reminds me that, you know what? And one day, perhaps like David, this is just temporary. One day it will be me again. One day I will be up there in the, on the mountaintop with you again. Because that's my life. Up and down, up and down. And, and so the downs don't last, neither do the ups. But just remembering when I'm in those pits, this will not last. This will not last. Because God is always at work and someone is being blessed right now. And one day it will be my turn again. Because that's what life is. That's how it happens. So I praise God and I thank God for the work he's doing in someone's life. People I don't even know. And in another country, and another part of the world that I've never met, I'll never meet. But I thank you, Lord, that you are blessing them right now, regardless of what situation I'm in. And it reminds me that, yet yeah, my situation is also just temporary. Once again, God will lift me up. Once again, God will bring me out of the prison, out of the darkness, because he's done it before, so he'll do it again. And I make that choice to, to filter my circumstances through that lens. And I don't always do that. I don't always do that. But when I do do that, it helps me remember that my circumstances are temporary, but God is permanent. And my relationship with him is permanent. I hope you understand that. I hope I've explained it well enough for you. But as I said, I don't always do it. I don't always succeed at that. Sometimes I just forget. Sometimes I get so caught up in myself, in my head, that I lose sight of that. But when I do remember to do that, when I do make that choice to praise God, to thank him for what he's doing in someone else's life and to remember and to know that one day I'll be celebrating about what he's doing in my life again. When I make that choice, it makes all the difference in the world because I'm making a choice to not let my circumstances, not let my situation control me, but to let my relationship with God control me. And when I do that, I am becoming a David, a man after God's heart. And that's what I want. So I'm saying to you today, as I close this talk, I am encouraging you, learn to pray differently. Learn to filter like David did everything, your circumstances through your relationship with God. So that when you find yourself in that cave, when you find yourself in that prison, in that place of despair, you learn to pray, God set me free from this prison that I might praise your name.